Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Bridge. The enemy knows how he can tempt you, and he knows how he can tempt you successfully. In ways you failed before, he's going to attempt to tempt you again. If it worked once, he's going to come back with that same attack, I believe, for sure. And this is why you and I even get so frustrated is, man, why do I keep doing the things I hate? Why do I keep falling into the same traps? It's because Satan has film on you, right? He knows what's worked, and he's had a lifetime, that him and his demons have had a lifetime of luring people to sin and actually getting them to follow through with that sin. However, because of Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, and through the Word of God, Satan doesn't just have the film on us, but we now have film on the enemy as well. So we're going to see, we're going to see through these 15 verses tonight, the way that Satan actually successfully tempts Adam and Eve to fall and usher in sin and death to not just them, but the entire world. Paradise lost, fellowship with God himself temporarily lost. But with every attack we see from uh, Satan, we're actually going to see a solution and a defense that the Father will give to us. Now, in this um, story, in this book of history, who is the snake in this story? Someone talk to me. The snake is certainly Satan himself. Now, don't answer me. Is this literal or is this allegorical? Right? This is debated um, amongst historians and theologians. However, look at um, some of these important people who absolutely took this text literally. In Revelation, we see John referencing the serpent. You can read with me on the screen. In chapter 12, as well as chapter 20. And then we also are going to see later, Paul referenced the serpent as well. So I believe that if these guys are taking it literal, if Jesus took it literal, then we absolutely are going to take it literal as well. Now, go to the next slide, please. Oh, actually, you know what? It was on there. I was there the whole time. Go back. I'm sorry. Look at that last verse. Paul writes, I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from what? What is that word there? Simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Okay. Someone comes up to you. They're like, look, I got to bust the catch, but I know you're a Christian. Man, how do I follow Jesus? Like, like what do I do? What do I do? What do you tell them? Th- throw stuff at me. Give it to me. I want to follow Jesus. What do I do, man? Read the Bible. Okay, what else? (laughs) Do you say talk to a priest? Nathan's not safe. Let's keep going. Okay, cool. What else? What else? What else? Repent. Okay, good, good. That's good. What else? (laughs) Accept Jesus in your heart. Okay, okay, okay. Very good. Very good. You guys got it. You got it. Nathan, you are safe. I love you. I'm just kidding. Okay, but here's the deal. You guys had it. A little pressure. You're slinging good truth at me. Is it simple? Is it ultimately pretty simple? You just said it in like 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 two one point five seconds. Okay, <laughs> you're right. You're right. That part is very hard. But that's my point, though. You're right. The decision, and and um, how to make that decision, it actually is pretty simple. But the Giles point, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Paul is saying here, Satan is so crafty. He took that which was simple, and he can drag us away from it. Following and walking in the way of Jesus, obeying him, you know the way of Jesus. We know how to do it. But it doesn't feel easy. And I think it's because we're constantly trying to crucify our flesh. We're constantly seeing things that Jesus called sin be normalized 
in a sinful society known as the world. And then we have an enemy planting seeds and lies in our thoughts constantly. Now, looking at Genesis, how did it describe the serpent? What is that S word there? Shrewd. What does shrewd mean? Deceitful. What do you got? That's good. I agree. Someone else? Are we good with that? Crafty. Who said that? Okay. How do you know that? You read your, you did your Devo this morning. Good. Okay. Yeah. You're like literally uh, listing off every um, alternative definition. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, crafty. Um, subtle. Shrewd. Sly. Here's an interesting um, alternative definition in the original language, actually. Sensible. Never known that before. Sensible. Satan is sensible? What does sensible mean? I believe that when he presents something to us, I think that he can craft it in such a way to where it does sound not just right, but it sounds good, right? Because if it wasn't that way, then temptation wouldn't be tempting at all. So let's look at the first way we're attacking. We already saw it, but, but look at this next slide with me. How does Satan attack us? The attack number one is he wants us to question and doubt the word of God. That's the first thing that we see him doing. He's asking the question, did God really say you shouldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden? He's making them question the word of God. So then someone please out loud, read with me, what is defense number one that we must um, carry out with that attack? Excellent. You guys are such good participators. Very good. Cool. So the first attack is this. Get this, right? I've heard Craig Rochelle say it like this. If the devil doesn't make you bad, what will he do? If he can't make you bad, what will he do? He'll make you what? He'll make you busy. Yes, very good, Nathan. Thank you. If the devil can't make you bad, he will make us busy. Make us so busy that we don't know the word of God in the first place. I think that this is our problem. I don't think it's necessarily questioning the word of God. I don't think it's doubting the word of God. I think that we have crammed our lives so full that we're too busy to actually be in the word of God, to study the word of God, to memorize the word of God, and we're neglecting the word of God. So we don't even have an opportunity to even question the word of God. So that's the first strategy that Satan is going to do, right? So, but the truth is this, like I think that, If we all were surveyed, we might say, I've been busy. That's why I'm not doing this. But our problem is not a lack of time. It's how you and I are choosing to spend our time. Our problem is not a lack of time. It's how we're choosing to spend our time. And that is myself included. No shame, but we must make this a priority. As we saw in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what are the first four words? In the beginning. God, in the beginning, God, four words, right? God begins that way because it must start with him and be surrounded with him as well. So what is maturity? Maturity is learning to delay what we want the most over what we want right now, right? See, I think that what we want right now is such a great demand and such a great pressure in the moment. But we need, I I think I said that backwards. Did I say that backwards? Maturity is us learning to delay what we want right now over what we want most, right? See, I think that the now, the thing we want in the moment, like for lack of a better thing, and every Christian pastor does this, it's so cliche, but the Krispy Kreme, when the hot and ready light is on, 
right? That thing comes on, you want it, but that might not be actually what is best for you. I think that we all want to get healthy. We all want to grow in a new skill. We all want to advance in academics. We want that. Look at your neighbor and say, I want that. I want that. We want these things, but we do we have the maturity to delay fun in order that we might grow? Because like, if like, man, I, have you guys heard the statistic that more people are millionaires than they have six packs in the world, right? It's easier to become a millionaire than it is to actually get a six pack because it takes such an intense discipline. Maturity, I don't know if that's true. I heard it on Instagram. Like, is that, is that, is that I, I could be. Amanda, you got anything to offer me there? Nothing. Okay, I mean Instagram. Okay, sorry, I didn't know I had a almost certified physical trainer here with me, okay? Good job, by the way, praying for your test, okay? So here's the deal, though. Jesus, did he ever face temptation? Where? Yeah, yeah, right, in the wilderness, certainly. So if Jesus is tempted, our temptation, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So if Satan is gonna try to test Jesus, then certainly he's going to try to test us as well. But when Jesus was tempted, what did Jesus use? The word of God, exactly, scripture, okay? Now, what if Jesus did not actually know the word of God? I think the conversation, it could have looked like this. You know, Satan, you've made some good points, and all these ideas are a lot better than me dying on the cross, right? Satan could have deceived Jesus Christ and convinced him that, you know what, like, you don't have to die. You know, you, you don't have to go out like this. You, you, it, it doesn't have to go the way that the God, the Father, told you it would go. I have a better plan. What do you think about this? But like you all just told me, is that when Satan received lies from Satan, when he was tempted to take the easy way out, which actually wasn't going to be an easy way out in the end, right? It was actually going to end up worse for not only Jesus Christ, but everyone else as well, because that's how Satan functions, correct? Jesus, he used the word of God to over temptation. And here's what's so fascinating. Jesus is actually dominantly quoting the book of Deuteronomy to Satan in this moment. And what's fascinating, now this can't be proven anywhere, but it's hugely possible that when Jesus was meditating, because he went off, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to pray. And the scripture he could have potentially been meditating on while he was in the wilderness was Deuteronomy, the scriptures that he actually used to defeat the enemy. God, when you're, when you're in the word of God, He's going to use the scripture in front of you to help you get out of situations that you are in. However, that's not how Jesus was. He didn't neglect the word of God. He knew the word of God. Even at the age of 12, is that he would go in the temples and preach and people would marvel at the authority and his knowledge of the word of God. So therefore, who do we model our lives after? It is Jesus Christ himself. He is who we follow. Man, he dug that well at the age of 12, right? A lot of you guys, man, like I made the joke about Awanas. You guys who grew up in Awanas, which if you don't, if you're not from here or whatever, Awanas is like this Bible program for um, the younger kids. What are the ages? It's like, it's like through fourth grade, ultimately. It's like a really like, I mean, maybe you guys don't look back on it with fond memories or something. I don't, or maybe you loved it. I don't know how you feel about it. But it's those programs like that that store the word of God up in our heart and help us make decisions to live for Jesus Christ for forever, Right? So I, I love those things. Those are beautiful things. But Jesus, he was studying the word of God at the age of 12, or knew it well, apparently, by the age of 12. You and I, 
with what you're wanting to grow in and how you're developing yourself, specifically leaning into your study and your knowledge of the word of God, you grow in your theology, not just theology, but your relationship and your community as well with Jesus Christ, the well that you're digging right now, like when you're in the word of God, when you're studying the word of God, when you're living off that living water from the word of God, when you're digging that well saying, I love this, man, your love is better than life. It's nourishing to my soul. When you're digging that well, man, you're like, I, I, I'm just, just learning the word and I'm cherishing it. I'm stirring it up in my heart. You're gonna pull from that well at a later date in your life. Right? I learned that from Christine Kane. She went on to say that the wells that we're digging now at this season of our life, you're not gonna need water from that well, maybe necessarily tonight or tomorrow. It's gonna be at a later date in your life. So if you're not digging wells in the knowledge of the word of God now, when you need to go and pull from that well at a later date, if we're not digging it now, there's gonna be no water for us to pull from. Does that make sense? So we need to be like Jesus Christ, even from the young age of 12, being experts with the word of God so that we can pull from it later when we need it. So the second attack, I believe, you can read with me on the screen, is that maybe we know the word of God, but is the word of God our authority, right? See, I think the problem is this. Satan's gonna tempt us. Like, a lot of us are gonna know the word of God. We're gonna know what Jesus' way is, and we're gonna know our own will, and we're gonna know um, what, what is not God's best for us, which is sin, right? And I think that some of us, even though we know the word of God, we're not going to submit to the word of God. See, just like, just process this with me for a second. I want you to just like evaluate your decision making right now and look at the choices that you're making and how you even make those choices and ask yourself the question, is the word of God and what he said, does that rule my life or not? Does it have authority in my life or not? Like, I want that for you. You know, I want that for me. I want that for my children. But only you can make that decision for yourself. I want the word of God to have authority in your life. I have this for you um, on the screen. Check it out in the next slide. I think I have it in there. I hope I have it in there. If you're a Christ follower, the word has the last word, which as you can see, what's the last word? The word, having the last word, means the power to make the final decision. And I love the Psalms when it talks about the word of God. The Psalms explains that when it talks about the love of God, how your love is better than life. And knowing God and being loved by him is better than anything this world could ever offer me. In Psalms 119, it talks about how the word of God, it's like honey on my lips. Do I always feel that way? No, no way. I am tempted and lured away by episode four of The Last of Us, right? Or I'm tempted and lured away by watching the Office episode that I've seen 7,000 times, right? Like they're not bad things that lure us away necessarily. And sometimes I choose other things. I choose scrolling on Instagram because I'm actually pretty tired and Judah Lyon was up from one to 4 a.m. crying and not going back to sleep. So I'd rather scroll and have some escapism and distract myself rather than be in the word of God. It's not just you, it's me too, right? So what do we do in those situations? What do we do when we're not actually treasuring the word of God? What do we do when we can't say that I've treasured your word in my heart? If we don't really treasure it, ask for God's help. Say, God, help me, help me. 
and the Spirit certainly will come and minister to you and help you in that. Every discipline, and being in the Word of God, it's a discipline. It's a discipline, right? And that's a beautiful thing. Discipline are good things from God. Jesus had discipline. We must have discipline as well. And every discipline, it starts out hard, but it always ends in delight. Matt, I'm gonna pick on you for a second. You've put a little more focus on your health this year, right? You're doing a really good job, but it's in your rhythm now, man, right? And you're seeing results, you're finding success. It's a cool thing. And you can't really even shake it now, right? You feel bad if you don't do it now. It starts out hard. And even when it's hard for all of you guys, right? Whatever discipline it is, right? It starts out hard, but after you follow through with it, you feel good about it. That's how discipline works. So if we don't have that, we don't want that, if it's not being treasured, then I think that we can ask God to help us, and he certainly will. Let's read on in verse two. I've read one verse so far, and we have uh, 14 more to go. We are not gonna finish this, but that's okay. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So look at attack number three. Satan wants to make us doubt the goodness of God and the trustworthiness of God. But instead, you and I, we must trust God's command, and we must choose obedience over our feelings. So this is what Satan is tempting Eve to do, and this is what he tempts you and I to do. He makes us, because he's crafty, he's sly. He makes us think that if we obey God, that something good is actually going to be withheld from us, which is certainly a lie. Like the psalmist goes on to say, I'll run in the path of your commands because you have set my heart free. Um, does anyone here actually like bowling? Okay, okay. Okay, Hannah holds the world record for the worst score, so thanks for that. I hate bowling. I hate bowling so bad. Second most, I hate golf, because I'm so, I, w- I actually wish I was good at golf, but I'm so bad at it, I'll never play again, okay? But bowling, like, I just, have you noticed, we've, I don't think we've ever gone bowling as a high school youth group. It's for a good reason. I hate it, right? I'm not gonna shepherd you guys there, okay? Um, but if you guys wanna go, I'll go, I'll have, like, a hot dog or something, hang out with you guys. But here's the deal. Um, what do they put up? Um, when you suck at bowling. Yeah, 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 they put the bumpers up, okay? And when the bumpers are up, when the rails are up, what ultimately does it keep you out of? Keeps you out of the gutter. And what then do you get to hit? The pins, right, that's right. See, obedience, it keeps up these boundaries and it keeps us in the pathways of freedom and protection and joy, right? What is the definition of sin? starts with an M. It's th- three parts. Missing, missing the mark. Yeah. But o- obedience to God, it keeps us in the pathways of freedom. It keeps us on God's path for us. And we actually find freedom of walking in the way of Jesus. Obedience leads to freedom. Discipline leads to freedom. But sin is missing the mark. And Satan makes her not just question if God really said it, but makes her also question the consequence of sin. You and I, like when you guys are faced with temptation, you know what it is. 
You know what that thing is that Satan's been haunting you with that's been frustrating with you, which in Jesus' name you will have authority over and you will have victory over because Jesus already purchased it for you. We just now have to walk in it. But we're gonna ask the question, if I do that sin, will I actually lose some of my anointing from God? Will I actually receive that consequence? Did Jesus really have to die for that? Here's a question that's something I wrestle with you guys and you wrestle with your parents, and I wrestle with my parents on as well, is does bad company really corrupt good morals? Or can I just be friends with whoever I want? That was really hard for me as a young person. Am I really not supposed to date people that do not yet know Christ? Also, another challenge for a lot of us, and God's word has clear instructions in friendship and relationships but I, I think I point those two out specifically. Those are heavy ones for us that are we really gonna trust God with that or not? So instead, here's what I say. In Proverbs, it reads, it might be on the next slide, it might not. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Your feelings can be wrong and they can lead you to sin. This is why we choose obedience over our feelings. Who sinned? Who was a great king in the Bible who sinned? Talk to me for a second. King who? King David. Yeah, and Solomon too. Yeah, for sure. But specifically, David. Okay. David, he faced temptation. And it was pleasurable for sure in the moment, right? But tell me, you guys shout out to me. Some of the things he lost. Lost a child, right? And then, because he lost that child and he didn't, just grieved that correctly, you know, and was so shook up over losing that child, he ended up not disciplining his future children correctly, which led to him losing his kingdom. So he lost his child, he lost his family, he lost his kingdom. He's restored for sure. When you and I sin, when we fall short, we absolutely can be restored, but I promise you it's better to obey. And I'm gonna close with this, and we barely got through any of this. But Brianna and I, in our marriage, um, you know, she came from a divorced home. Her parents got divorced when she was eight. Um, her dad went to prison when her and I were at Stone Middle School at the age of 13, um, and he was there for 20 years. When I asked Brianna to marry me, I actually went to the prison system and got entered into the prison system without her knowing, and um, <clears throat> like legally, not illegally for the record. I didn't like break the law and get in there. Okay, I just want to clear that up. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like her grandparents, because I wanted to ask Brianna to marry me, but I also want to honor her dad. His parents, who are really cool and still in my life today, helped me get entered in so I could go and find him and ask him. And um, he's out now, and, and he got saved in prison through Calvary Chapel, a really cool thing, right? Yeah, praise God. That's dope. That's dope. Um, but, you know, she, she, her parents were split up from eight, and she didn't have a dad from 13 on, right? And I um, had sexual sins committed against me, and I um, carried out sexual sin myself growing up, okay? And <clears throat> we are going to doubt and be deceived with the commands of God and doubt that God really has his best in store for us. Now, God has restored me and Brianna. We have two amazing children, right? We have a, a really good marriage. But, like, to say that we don't have baggage would simply be untrue because of the sins we've committed and the sins that have been committed against us, okay? And, and we're free 
You know, God is now using our stories and our hardships to set other people free. But I share that with you guys to help you. Like, like we, we can laugh about the commands of God or we can be flippant with them or we can just be neutral to them. It's not that I feel greatly one way or another, but we must be passionate about the truth of God so that we can set other people free, so that we can be um, saved from great horror in our life, um, and so that we can live in the calling and walk in the ways of Jesus so that we can do all that he has for us. So, so I'm not sad about these things anymore, right? Like, like we're good, we're good. But I do wanna say, like, could me and Brianna have done things differently? Could her parents and my parents have done things differently? Could we have not, um, could we have listened to the wisdom and word of God and be prevented from being in dangerous situations which hurt us later in life? Yeah, we could have done that, but we doubted the word of God. We were deceived and we fell into traps and that came out of penalty. God has redeemed us. He has restored us. He has helped us. He has made us new, right? But I think that you and I, we can actually know the word of God and never fall into these pits to begin with. Let's pray. God, I love you, Lord. And I love your commands because your love is better than life. And I pray that every student in here would have the courage and the strength and the power to not just know the word of God, but to walk in the freedom and the counsel, the whole counsel of the word of God, Lord. And I pray that if any student, um, half of us in here are products of divorce already, and we didn't have a choice over that, God. I pray right now that you would end um, any generational passing on of what could come from that, Father God. That we would receive your truth, we'd receive your love, we'd receive your mercy, we'd receive your grace, knowing that um, those situations we didn't have control over, Father God. And you can actually lead us into an incredible marriage for ourselves one day. We don't have to repeat those same cycles, but instead we can learn from them, Father God. And if any student has ever um, suffered from sexual sin, whether it's carrying out or it being committed, God, I pray the love of Jesus over them, the deliverance of Jesus Christ. I pray the blood of Jesus over them, Father God. I pray that what Satan meant for evil, God, you can use for good, that they would know that they are new creations, that there would be nothing attached to them that is not of you, Father God, but that they would be whole, they would be made well, that they would know their identity is the fact that they are adopted and royal, chosen children of God, Father God. And when the enemy comes to lie to them about that, that they would, just like you, Jesus Christ, cast out the lies with truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.